All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm talking to you from Queens, New York City, the borough of Queens in New York City, and it is October 27th, 2020. And uh, I do like to always remind you that I publish a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, which you can sign up for by going to miningstocks.com. And likes to put in a plug for my friend Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? at chenpix.com, C-H-E-N-Pix.com. And as always, I'd like to remind you of Michael Oliver's excellent work, and he'll be with us in just a few minutes here. Uh, it's olivermsa.com, olivermsa.com for his uh Hard to beat chart, a chartist. The chart work that he does, I've never found anybody better from my personal point of view as an investor. And uh, Michael will be with us, as I said, just in a, in a couple of minutes from now. And I do want to thank all of you for sending along your comments, whatever they may be, to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, questions the number four, taylor at gmail.com. And I want to thank our sponsors uh, for making this show possible. Uh, sponsors for this week's show, Benchmark Metals. NV Gold, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, Sitka Gold Corp, Lion One Metals, Grand Partage, GMV Minerals, and SK Mining Corp. I've titled today's show, Seeking Optimism from Frank Holmes in This Dystopian World. And Frank Holmes, Jim Grieg, and Michael Oliver are my guests this week. With presidential candidate Joe Biden talking about a dark winter and a never-ending coronavirus that keeps us locked in our houses for eternity, and with the nation, in fact, facing a very difficult period of economic payback for living beyond our means, beginning with President Nixon's removal of gold in 1971, my desire for some sunshine in this depressing environment caused me to seek a guest this week who I thought might be able to lighten things up a bit, and that's Frank Holmes, who seems to be able to look on the bright side when few others can uh, can seem to, to do that. I expect Frank will be bullish on gold, but I'm guessing he may also find some opportunities in other sectors that actually contribute to our well-being. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing what Frank has to say, um, not only how to survive, but how to thrive in the months and years to come irregardless of the outcome of the November 3rd election. So Frank, as I said, uh, will be with me, and he'll be joining me in the second half of today's show. In the second segment uh, today, Jim Grieg, um, Jim Gregg will be, the, he's the president of Benchmark Metals, he will join me. Benchmark is clearly delineating a world-class gold and silver deposit in, in its lawyer's project that's in the northern end of the British Columbian 
golden triangle. Uh, despite some very good news, the shares have not been performing all that well, which leads me to believe this may provide a great buying opportunities for those who recognize the value, the intrinsic value that is being built there through their exploration efforts. But I certainly want to hear what Jim has to say about the company's results. So they've been excellent from what I can see, and perhaps he can give us some insights as to why the shares have been weak. Uh, a lot of times it has nothing to do with the fundamentals of projects, and there are other reasons why shares sometimes decline, and that oftentimes provides great buying opportunities. So we'll want to explore that possibility with Jim when he's on right after our first commercial break. Before I say hello to Michael today, uh, I do want to tell you that I have experienced firsthand the heavy hand of an emerging American dictatorship that is clearly underway given the suppression of the First Amendment. The deep state, which very much includes the social media giants like Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, believed that something James Perloff said on my October 6th show was too dangerous to allow you to hear or to allow other people to hear. As many as possible, they want to make sure they don't hear it. On that show, we talked about James' latest book on the subject of COVID-19. For the life of me, I can't think of anything that was dangerous, so dangerous in my discussion with James, other than his quest for the scientific truth about COVID-19, which is some seemingly being used as an excuse to remove the liberties from us that a ruling elite can, so that a ruling elite can uh, gain power uh, and eliminate national governments. That's, that's the way I read it anyway. And I can't think of any time in recent history that that our civil liberties are being more threatened than perhaps, uh, maybe perhaps during Roosevelt's racist reign of terror against Japanese people during World War II. Well, you can't listen to the discussion on YouTube because that's been removed from my site, but it is archived on our podcast page at J. Taylor Media. If any of you can remember that discussion or if you care to go listen to it, and if you do, let me know if you hear anything that's really threatening. What on earth is threatening to, uh, to Americans that James Perloff said I'd like to, I'd like to see uh, and hear if any of you can uh, help me understand that. We haven't really tried to uh, to contest it with YouTube. We take YouTube. Uh, they have the ability to do what they want to do. It's a private company, uh, and they can do what they want to do. But um, it is troublesome. I think it's troublesome to an awful lot of people that believe that our First Amendment rights are being suppressed. Uh, and if a, a country is really in search of the truth, then why not let let it be aired? Well, in any event, um, that I just wanted to share that with you because it is obviously is very troublesome to one who thinks that the First Amendment rights are absolutely necessary if we're going to retain our freedoms and liberties that we've enjoyed in this country uh, since its inception. All right, well, uh, on a happier note, I'm glad to say that Michael Oliver is with me again. OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com is where you should go to follow Michael and to uh, sign up for his excellent service. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. It's always good to have you here. Every other week it is. It's a habit, and it's a good one, and we're glad that you're here today. You have been talking about commodities for some time, and you watch uh, the Bloomberg Commodity Index closely. What are you seeing now? If you can give us an update on what you're seeing in the commodity complex. Well, I, of course, we love gold. We've loved gold for several years, and silver. Uh, in July, silver broke through a, a number for us that was uh, – 
last buy signal that was explosive, and it was at $19.48. And now it's living up in the mid-20s, having approached 30 from the underside. But forgetting the monetary metals for the moment, they're in the leadership position, no question. But the commodity complex, when you look at oil, grains, uh, soft commodities like sugar, cocoa, coffee, etc., have been depressed ever since they made lows, and most of them around 2015, 2016. And they've been wandering sideways, uh, basically with the refusal to, 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 to go either one, go lower, or two, to go lower and stay lower. For instance, oil poked down real hard uh, in a panic on an expiring contract several months ago, early this year, but then rebounded quickly. It's back in the 40 area. Uh, uh, most other commodities, like copper, for example, came back recently, early this year, and tested, but didn't violate their prior lows of that five-year period. And it's really just been a big clump of ink on the price charts at very low historic depressed levels for most commodities. When you compare back to price highs that we saw in most commodities in 2011, for example. Uh, so you have price basing. It was evident on the price charts if you're objective. But via mm-hmm. our momentum metrics, uh, we've registered, as far as we're concerned, we're fully bull fully bullish on commodity complex, not just mm-hmm. one, but the, the grains, uh, oil, etc. And we think that that's going to be the surprise ambush among the asset categories that very few are talking about with any seriousness uh, in, in terms of being violent and, and sudden. And I think that the commodity complex has the best chance of producing over, the, let's say, the next couple quarters, uh, a greater percent increase than maybe even gold. Now, Mm -hmm. not that gold's not in the leadership role, it is, and I think ultimately it will continue to outpace commodities. But because of the depressed, uh, it's like the metaphor I use repeatedly of a beach ball. You push Mm -hmm. it underwater and then let go of it. You know, when it Mm -hmm. comes rushing up above the water level, that's that's where I think the commodity complex is right now. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a particularly potent action in the soybeans. Uh, Wheat's now joined in. Corn was positive, uh, second in that group. Uh, oil's crossed some numbers that we think are important, um, and though it's very quiet and they keep talking about supply and so forth and so on, uh, I think that's still that's a positive situation. Natural gas is now trend positive. So no matter where we look in the commodity complex, uh, we see positives, technical positives. So I think as an asset category, that's a place to watch. Now, some people don't want to trade futures. That's fine. Uh, you can always trade futures unleveraged if you simply set aside the full cash value of the contract, you don't, you're not really using leverage, so most people aren't aware of that fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are ETFs out there that can reflect these various sectors, grain ETFs, oil ETFs. And one area in particular that's commodity-related that we think might have the greatest percent upside vacuum effect, you know, once it turns, because mm-hmm. it's simply oversold and it's too deep, is some of the subsectors in the oil complex. Uh, one ETF in particular is XOP, which is uh, oil and gas exploration. And uh, I think of all the subsets within the oil complex that could have a rapid upside percentage gain, uh, that's one I'd be looking at. Um, we also see positives in the fertilizer stocks. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to grow crops, you, you need fertilizer and so forth. So, it's time for investors, if they want to be in stocks, to be looking at commodity, beat-up commodity-related stocks 
in the grain area or in the oil area or in the base metal mining area, et cetera, you know, like Freeport McNoran, for example, uh, which is copper and gold. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we think that broadly is a category that is going to produce more profit quickly over the next couple quarters than anything out there. All right, uh, Michael, I, you you had a an ETF that more or less mirrors or comes close to the Bloomberg Commodity Index. I don't recall what that is. Do you, can you? Uh, DBC is, is one. It's the symbol DBC. There are others out there. Uh, of course, when you look at ETFs, what you want to look at is not, not just whether it tends to reflect the price action of the asset you're linking it to, for instance, the Bloomberg Commodity Index. So if you look at a chart of DBC uh, and you look at Bloomberg, they look pretty much the same. So that's good. But the other thing to look at is the daily volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to make sure you, if you get into an ETF that you're getting into one that's got good liquidity. Sure. And the DBC yeah. has it, and there's this half dozen other symbols that attempt to replicate commodity action, and you know it's just probably a coin toss as to which one's better or not, but liquidity is an issue. Absolutely. Well, one with 30 seconds left or so here, Michael, the dollar. Is this bull market in commodities uh, contingent on a dollar decline in the index? I don't know if it's or? contingent, but I think you're going to get one. <laughs> Uh-huh. decline. Uh, yeah, uh, it would help. There's no question. But then again, when I look at gold, it, look what it's done for the last two oh, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it did it mostly without any dollar weakness. Yeah. Okay, so to answer that question about commodities, can they go up with the dollar steady? Uh, I don't know. Gold went up with the dollar steady. Mm-hmm. And the dollar right now looks like it's on the edge of another cliff. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, about right. a point or so below where we're trading right now in the dollar index, I think you're going to have a rapid collapse into mm-hmm. the mid-80s on the dollar mm-hmm. index, which is now in the low 90s. Oh. Um, and I think, yeah, that will probably definitely assist the commodity complex. Well, that would certainly be wind at the backs of uh, mm-hmm. gold and silver in the commodities, I would guess. So, uh, Michael, yeah. thank you. We're out of time already. Uh, oh, thank you so thanks, much uh, for, for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. It's greatly appreciated, not just by me, by me but by my uh, thousands of listeners. So thank you so much for being with us again. Thank All right, uh, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Jim Greig will be with me. Um, Jim Craig, Greig, I should say. I'm pronouncing his name right, I hope. He's the president um, of uh, Benchmark Metals, and that's a, a story that I've been following for some time, one that I own. Uh, one, I think, is uh, I think the, share, the shares are very undervalued right now, given the recent success the company has had, ongoing success, and very aggressive drill program. Uh, so uh, stick around and listen to what Jim Gregg has to say right after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have with me once again, Jim Greek. Uh, Jim is the, uh, is the president of Benchmark Metals. He's also a board member. Uh, he has had uh, quite a lot of experience in the resource sector over the years, and uh, Jim's been with us on a couple of occasions in the past to talk about Benchmark Metals, and it's truly a stock that I think uh, you need to take a look at now. It's it's considerably off its highs, even though it's continued to have great success uh, ex- uh, with its a very aggressive exploration project. Um, it's the uh, project in the northern end of the uh, of, of the Golden Triangle in British Columbia, known as the Lawyers Project. Uh, Benchmark is selling uh, right now in U.S. money at about seventy three cents. One hundred and twenty two point five million shares is my count. Jim can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but BNCH is the symbol in Canada, BNCHF. Uh, you can buy it down here in the States as I have. So it's got a market cap of around $90 million in U.S. dollars, um, but was much higher than that not long ago. So I think this provides an opportunity for people that maybe uh, missed the first move. Thanks for joining me today, Jim. Always a pleasure to be on your program, Jay. Well, um, it's always a pleasure to talk to people that have great projects going. Uh, you're a nice guy, but aside from that, we like winning <laughs> stories as well. Um, so the, maybe maybe for the sake of those that might be hearing about Benchmark for the first time, can you talk about your lawyer's project and, and where it stood uh, prior to this year's very aggressive drill program? Because I think you're, you're doing something like 100,000 meters this year, I believe, Jim. That's correct. Yeah, we're moving to beyond just a simple exploration story. We truly have um, a very large uh, discovery expansion on a formerly producing asset from over 30 years ago. Um, But the amount of drilling we've done this year will allow us to generate a very large gold and silver resource estimate in the first quarter of next year. And all of these ounces that uh, we're proving up in a new technical report are at surface. So this is open pitable gold and silver ounces. Uh, There's a big milestone here early next year. And that'll be followed by a new preliminary economic assessment. So all the engineering and economics that go towards proving that this is indeed um, a viable mine in the near future. And you'll be coming out with a new resource, with your first actually maiden resource, uh, based on your own work there in the first quarter of next year. I know that you've talked about, and you, you uh, your management team has set a goal of 5 million gold equivalent ounces as kind of the threshold or sort of a minimum target. And from what I can see is you're really, uh, most of your work so far is coming from just one of several targets. Uh, you have the AGB zone, I think, which is what you're working on now. Is that right? That's right. Uh, We have three large zones. Um, They're discrete zones that are within close proximity to to one another. And the AGB zone is uh, got completed about 60 holes this year already. There's um, 
a number of uh, meters and holes from the past that we drilled on AGB. But AGB will report uh, a significant resource, globally speaking, but the Cliff Creek zone is our largest zone. It spans across 1.2 kilometers, approximately 200 meters in width, and is now showing um, that it extends well below 300 meters vertical depth. So these are large, very large open pitable resources at surface. Yeah, and um, so would you say that most of your work so far has come at AGB and that you got a lot of catch-up to do at Cliff? Uh, I'd say actually the the bulk or majority of drilling we've done so far is at uh, Cliff's Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had up, at one point this summer over six drill rigs turning. So um, we, were, we were drilling all of the zones that we could. Um, and part of the upside or blue sky potential on this is, yeah, we've got three zones that will report in a large resource estimate, but we've got another package of big discoveries across um, the rest of the property. And these all have potential for new discoveries in the near future. Um, we drilled two new zones this year. They both hit uh, mineralization, but we're awaiting um, drill results from these two other areas. So I think to reach that 5 million ounces, um, it is conceivable. Um, we're more likely to see a, 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 broad, a, a smaller number, perhaps um, the 2 to 3 million ounce number uh, in the first quarter next year. Mm-hmm. But then with more drilling next year in 2021, I think we could logically hit that 5 million ounce target. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within that area, which I'm looking at a map now, it's circled in red on your website, uh, AGB, Cliff Creek, uh, Dukes Ridge, uh, there's some other things called CCS, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix East. Uh, with, do you think you can get to 5 million ounces within that circle, or, or, or are you going to have to go out to some of the other areas? Yeah, I, I think it is actually possible to get to that 5 million number within those areas because they remain open. Um, and as we do our um, definition and expansion drilling, we're, we're continually seeing um, extensions to mineralization, but we're also hitting new zones. And most certainly it's open at depth. Um, we're, we're starting to see a trend here where the grade increases with depth. And if you were go to go to a stage production here, um, it's likely, you know, we would start with some starter pits that are much higher grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, to improve the economics, and then some uh, pushbacks on the dr- on the uh, pit shells, then would mo- mine the broader open pits on the second stage. Mm-hmm. But conceivably, there's a third stage here um, when all of the open pitable resources are depleted through mining. Then you would move underground below mm-hmm. the pits and mine the high grade material in these mm-hmm. one to five meter high grade slivers. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, because you're uh, looking at a uh, cross-section of your Cliff Creek zone, uh, that's really high-grade stuff, isn't it? I mean, uh, so the, uh, initially the pit will be pretty high-grade, but as you can continue to go down, you'll be taking more barren rock away. So, but, it, but those zones, those grades look like they could be mineable at depth, I, I would guess. And that, that was yeah, my thought. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to speak to that in more detail, 
our average drill hole is only about 200 meters from surface. And so <laughs> the bulk of drilling is in and around 300 meters total depth. Uh-huh. And so we're trying to drill and show resource potential for mineable ounces, all ounces that can actually come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's a very focused program. Jim, you could you give us some idea of what the ratio is between gold and silver in the in the in the value here? Yeah, I, I would say Perfect. it's approximately uh, forty to one. Mm-hmm. Um, so each zone is a little bit different. The AGB zone tends to have more silver content. Um, but if you were to talk about um, total quantity or value, you know the resource here is probably. 80% of it is from gold and 20% would be silver. However, um, when silver reaches its historical ratio here, there's a chance that it, it could be 50% silver and 50% gold. Mm-hmm. So this could be a silver play for those silver bugs that are out there, um, maybe that want to hedge their bets a little bit with both metals. Yeah, that's um, right. And and to note on the silver, you know, generally you get lower recovery at the mill and plant when you've got a gold and silver mine. Um, but we're seeing on the metallurgy here recovery rates of up to 95% on the gold and upwards of 90% on the silver. Oh, that's so, good. So um, yeah. recovery rates are excellent here. So far, we're, we're not seeing any issues on metallurgy. Of course, when you do your PEA, and I think you're expecting a PEA in Q2 of next year, uh, this question will be answered, but always the question about continuity. Um, Are you seeing good continuity? Because we don't want to see areas where there's barren rock any more than we we have to, right? Yeah, that's right. And um, yes, um, yeah, indeed, it's quite consistent, um, the grade and the mineralization throughout the strike length and depth at these three resource areas. Um, We are doing significant infilling here with tight drill spacing. So Mm -hmm. there's another chance here for de-risking the project um, because we believe we'll reach... um, a majority of the resource will be in the measured and indicated. This oh. will not be a solely inferred resource estimate. So oh. tight drill drill spacing is is being very effective here. You know, it's very important. Uh, these are details, of course, that uh, people that pay close attention are aware of, and, uh, and they really add up in the value, of course, by de-risking. Just one other thing I'd like to ask you, Jim. You know, um, the share price has been somewhat disappointing to me as a as an investor, a longer term holder of your shares. Uh, you've had such good news, and yet I, I realize gold has taken a breather here, yes. and silver. But have you any idea what's you know why we're not seeing continually rising prices when you're having continually good news? I think what's happened here, there's there's a bit of a breather that's happened in in the uh, metal sector, uh, specifically gold and silver. Um, but benchmarks had such a rapid rise over the last two years that you're seeing um, a lot of the individual retail type investor uh, take profits. And so this is actually a good, you know, a good formula for the company. You're seeing people removing money they're making money on the story and that allows us to sort of hit the next stage here um as we, as we come out of this breathing space uh to rise at a higher level yeah probably uh, the mix of investors change too as the project uh 
you know, goes beyond the purely a, a speculative stage into a, into a mind-building stage, which it seems like you're moving very rapidly towards. Uh, Jim, just one more question. Uh, you're well-funded, are you now, through this yeah, year we, and into next? Yes, we're actually funded for the next two years, Jay. Wow. We raised uh, about a month ago, completed $50.3 million Canadian. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to work uh, not only resource updates, but plan all the engineering and permitting necessary to get to a mine decision in two years' time, and this will be fully funded. All work is in the budget and in the Treasury for the next two years. So this is another um, you know, significant milestone here to move the story ahead. It really is a good story, and uh, it's one I look forward to continually following, and I'm sure at some point here, there's going to be new investors, probably more institutional types, that come into the story and uh, start holding uh, for the for the next stage of your uh, of the development. It's uh, it's very good. Anything else you'd like to add? We do have 30 seconds. My engineer is telling me. Yeah, I think we you know there's a major news flow to come here right through to January with drill results, and then that'll be followed by this large mineral resource estimate, and then completed with um, an economic uh, study that shows the robustness of the project. Excellent. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Jim. And uh, we'll, we'll be keeping up uh, with your story, that's for sure. Uh, really, really glad to hear from you and glad to hear uh, of all the good news that's coming, uh, coming our way. Thanks so much for being with us again. Very good. Thanks, Jay. All right, folks. Well, we do have to go to break, but don't go away. Frank Holmes will be with me. We'll hear what Frank has to say. I, I understand he's pretty bullish on commodities in general. I know he loves gold, and he likes other things, too. Frank, um, I reached out to Frank because I kind of want some good news now. We're hearing a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of unhappiness with COVID-19 and economic statistics and so forth. Maybe maybe Frank can, uh, sign some, can shine some sunshine on us uh, for a happier uh, 2000. 21. So we'll be right back with Frank Holmes after the break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. NV Gold Core, trading under NVX on the TSX and NVGLF on the OTC, is a gold exploration company focused on uncovering the next multi-million ounce gold deposit in North America. With an aggressive exploration season ahead in 2020, a tight share structure, strong management ownership, key strategic investors including Eric Sprott, a globally recognized technical team, technical coverage from industry gold experts, and cash in its treasury. Visit NVGoldCore.com to learn more on this exciting story. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. 
That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Shining Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Frank Holmes. He's been a guest on this show a number of times over the years, and it's always good to hear from him. And I wanted to reach out to Frank because uh, I don't know of anybody, uh, at least among the Gold Bulls, who is also an optimist, an optimist, an optimistic guy. He uh, finds, finds ways to keep on trucking, to keep on moving ahead, uh, even when sometimes things seem a bit depressing, and they certainly... Uh, seem a, a bit depressing right now, I would say, with the COVID-19 and an economy that is still sort of sucking wind from the shutdown and, and arguably from some other issues as well. Uh, Frank, uh, of course, has headed up the U.S. Global Investors uh, for quite a while. Uh, he's the CEO, and, and he really has uh, come up with some great products that, the, that are under the U.S. Global Investors umbrella, uh, so it's always a pleasure to talk to him. I might point out uh, that uh, you might want to avail yourself of some of the free things that are available uh, that uh, that Frank provides. Um, you can go to his YouTube page at usfunds.com uh, and uh, you can follow uh, US Funds, uh, that you can follow Bulldog Holmes on Twitter as well to see what Frank is, so it's on his mind from time to time. Thanks for joining me again, Frank. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jay. And you know you're aging yourself, Jay. The expression, keep on trucking. Oh, yes. That was, that was Eddie Kendricks in 1973. Well, that's right. And I know that I'm at least a decade older than you. So, uh, yeah, I, you were probably just a little squirt then when you went at that time. So I was in high school. Yeah, well, yeah. And, I was, and it was, I was my first road trip to um, the U.S., and we drove from Toronto to Florida in March uh-huh. break. Wow, that was quite a trip, huh? Yeah. And uh, well, anyway, I want I want to let people know that you that there's some pretty interesting things I just spotted on your website. I thought uh, Bob Moriarty, who's who's on this show a lot, is a friend of mine, um, founder of Three Two One Gold. You you and he are going to be speaking, I think, on November fourth, the day after the election. And then I saw that on the 29th of October, Kevin O'Leary and yourself are going to have some discussion. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, those two events, and, and how people might avail themselves to it. Well, interesting, you know, Kevin O'Leary is not a, a, a gold blood. Uh, no. He likes bullion, uh, but doesn't trust um, management of many of these gold mining companies. Mm-hmm. However, you know, I have a completely different tune to that as we have gone through this cycle. There's a brand new mantra amongst many senior executives, and I think that that's encouraged uh, investors like Warren Buffett taking the big position in Barrick. So I remain positive. But we're going to talk more about the airline industry and why it's so critical for the vibrancy of our economy and turning it around and the sort of the new ecosystem expansion due to millennials, millennials trading stocks, trading gold stocks, junior explorers, etc. Um, this has been you know, a key component, which they like to call a price discovery. And I'm a big believer an ecosystem has to have minerals in addition to dolphins and, and uh, barracudas and sharks and whales. You just yeah. can't have one class. So that's what we'll talk about there. Oh, interesting. Well, Frank, uh, how, are you, how are you reaching out to the millennials? Because, uh, you know, uh, um, Quentin Henning and I have talked about how it's so difficult that we, you know, us old guys, we like gold. We've been around for a while. But the young people seem not to. Are you, are you suggesting that may be changing? Oh, no, it's just a huge difference, Jay. Uh, there, If you look at Robinhood, and if you haven't opened an account, I highly recommend you open an account. There's uh-huh. no minimum. 
And uh, and so I did for all my employees. They all got some money, and I gave the money for them to go and open an account at Robinhood and buy some Jets ETF, the only airline ETF out there, and go AU, go gold, our uh-huh. quant-based ETF, so they could get the experience. And when you first open an account in Robinhood, uh, they give you pick one, two, or three, and uh, some of the people uh, received one share of uh, Hecla. Uh, that was sort of the promotion, uh, huh. and and what's what's important there is there's no commissions, and on their toolbar at Robinhood, is gold. Gold is an asset class. Uh huh. So they do look at gold, and 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 my research has been, uh, it's come out that uh, they're very important for price discovery, and a lot of them get their research not from wirehouses like Merrill Lynch, etc., uh, but they get them from uh, YouTube, and listen to podcasts. So listening to your podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, those type of shows are very important for them to capture information. Whether they're working on their working out on their Peloton bike uh, or going for a walk, mm-hmm. um, they're always listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that's uh, yeah. People don't sit around and listen to radios anymore. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And and your discussion with uh, Bob Moriarty on the the day after the election is that I would gather that's going to have something to do with the election results. Yes, it is, and uh, and the funny part was uh, so often asked, you know, who are you voting for? And I like to say, uh, it's not red, it's not blue, but it's gold. And that <laughs> quote has gone viral, uh-huh. um, and it really doesn't matter. We're into this sort of modern monetary expansion and modern monetary portfolio mm-hmm. thinking theory, and uh, we've seen it in the U.S. this year with checks being sent to everybody due to COVID. And COVID's a great excuse for uh, uh, giving out money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you're seeing in countries like South Korea did it in one little area uh, of the country and gave $200 to every citizen uh, for, a, for each quarter. And But they could only spend the money in that area. Mm-hmm. So it helped create jobs for hair hairstyle salons, and mm-hmm. but it had to be very micro in that economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only issue then is then then people want it once a week, uh, the two hundred dollars, not just once a quarter, and um, and now that's not just over eighteen years old, it's anybody. Uh, so it it can easily get abused to try to help stimulate the economy, but we we are in unprecedented times of money printing. And yeah. uh, and I believe there's I've said this before in your program that the cartel of uh, G20 finance ministers uh, who, and, and central bankers uh, are working together like they were on in, after 2009 with synchronized taxation and regulation. And it's now synchronized money printing to fight COVID and, uh, and it will have incredible ramifications. In incredible ramifications for gold and, and uh, silver and that sort of thing. But I think also perhaps uh, with commodity, the commodity sector as a whole, I believe, which you've turned uh, pretty bullish on, Frank, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. As you know, uh, that I quite often follow uh, the Purchasing Manufacturers Index. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I write about it every month because it's really critical. And when I first started doing this, there was hardly anyone. I remember going to a, a gold conference for the bank of uh, CIBC and uh, asking their chief economist, so why would you be talking about GDP when commodities are more correlated to PMI? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, GDP is more important, but that's a lagging indicator. Mm-hmm. It's more important as PMI. And we've done all the data mining with this. Um, and, and so when you look at the PMI, when the one month is above three months, 
uh, it's highly probabilistic that gold is going to trade higher, copper is going to trade higher, uh, oil will trade higher. And if it does that for three months in a row, it's an, it's an 85% probability. So what we've seen is that China was first to have their PMI, Purchasing Manufacturing Index, turn positive. It's six months view. It's a six-month forward-looking indicator. Mm-hmm. And it turned bullish back in, in May. And then the U.S. turned bullish in June, going July. So we do see something um, that's very, very positive. I think the U.S. today is the highest in the world. So all this negative news, and now we're seeing the airlines which uh, back in April, uh, in the middle of, middle of April, the busiest airport, airport in the world was Anchorage. Everything else was shut down. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we only processed something like 89,000 passengers in a day, the TSA. And, mm-hmm. uh, and this last week, it went through a million. Mm-hmm. So we're far from 2.7 million a day, but we're, we're climbing. And this is very positive and constructive. So... I think it's highly correlated to PMIs turning positive. Uh, everyone's negative about everything, but there's huge pockets of, of opportunity. Uh, you're seeing housing up up 10% uh, in some areas, up 15% in other areas across America. So there is inflation. So don't believe the 1.3% inflation. I did a two-minute video on it and, and explained to people that if they use the model, the algorithm was used in 1980 when gold had 850 and silver $50 an ounce. Guess what? Inflation is running at 9% if we use that model. So they morphed the definition of it. Uh, and, I, and I feel much more like this inflation is at a higher price. I see gas price at the pump is up again. Um, so uh, I, I think you've got to be long these commodities and mm-hmm. you have to be long technology. Mm-hmm. Frank, that's very interesting that you say 9%. If you go back to 1980, John Williams, who we've had on this show uh, quite frequently, not not recently so much, but his uh, his work goes back to about that point in time when they started using hedonic pricing and substitution and so forth to construct the uh, inflation index. And he comes up with a number very similar to that. Uh, so that's that's very interesting. Do you have a video somewhere that is on your website? Or yes, it's it's a two minute video on, on our U.S. Global uh, uh, YouTube what? site. Okay, and uh, I'll have it sent to you so you can share with your. your I will viewers. do so. Yeah, I will do and, so. And, sure. And I, actually, I quote him and uh, I show the visual uh-huh. um, because I think he does great uh, economic research mm-hmm. um, and. And so we come back to this commodity cycle. And if you look at uh, commodities relative to the broader S&P 500 going back to 1972, I mean, commodities are so inexpensive for that relative basis. Oh, yes. Uh, so, so I think, you know, it started, we're seeing with copper. Um, I think you're going to see uh, some interesting stories there where Freeport-McMoran's uh, cash flow is exploding again. Uh, they're in such great shape where, where six months ago it was pretty challenging. Um, but yes, when you have trillions of dollars being spent, and this is going to be $10 trillion spent, you're going to have a strong stock market and you're going to see commodity demand. And what's mm-hmm. different is how governments around the world with this sort of monetary theory approach have been buying ETFs. And they buy ETFs to try to distort capital, uh, the flow of capital. So the fact that when rates collapsed back in, in, in March, um, but the cost of capital for small businesses soared mm-hmm. uh, that the banks weren't lending. So it may be cheap to get uh, from Fed funds, may be cheap, but it's very expensive to get a loan. So what did the mm-hmm. government do? They started buying billions of dollars of uh, muni bonds through mm-hmm. ETFs. 
and that drove down interest rates in the, and so that allowed many municipalities to roll over their debt without a crisis mm-hmm. and then they started buying corporate bonds and mm-hmm. they got yields for uh, big corporate bond issuers etc they got those yields down to a very attractive rate so this is a very new scenario of of uh, uh, of more players coming in, the, in, and no one can stop. They can print this funny money. And what's different in this cycle is in previous cycles, with one government printed, the other one basically talked negative about the other country. Not now. Right. They all work together. Mm-hmm. Well, this is really, uh, yeah. This is this is really a new world, and and how it's going to end up is anybody's anybody's guess. But it certainly seems inflation uh, it has got to rise. I think it's not that it's not that the value of these commodities are going up. In terms of their usefulness, but it's that the currencies are being debased. I would argue, Frank. What do you think about you know we've we've got this this election coming up and the new Green Deal and the you know the far left wants to wants government to fix everything essentially and essentially that's what they're trying to do. I mean they're they're destroying the capital markets. I would argue, but in any event, um, you'd make the case for copper, and uh, you know it seems to me that some of the new technologies, the uh, electric cars. Come into play there as well. I mean, there may be some real demand, as not just as an inflation hedge, but uh, as a means of you know, in the real world, there may be some. For example, my friend Chen Lin points out that uh, solar is becoming more effective now, and that uh, silver is is going to be a beneficiary from that. Any thoughts about some of these new technologies, some of these new political uh, uh, movements? Here's a big thing for you to take a look at: China. Mm-hmm. So CNOC, the big, uh, the Exxon, sort of, when you take a look at China uh, as a market cap. And earlier this year, Longi, L-O-N-G-I, um, which is the largest solar power maker in the world uh-huh. from China, surpassed the market cap of CNOC. Huh. So wow. there, there is you know, a big macro trend taking place. And many of these metals we're talking about are very, very critical uh, for these, uh, and um, and I think that's so these are other parts where people have to be remain bullish. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for a great gold stock, that's get, the only one that I know that has a, a true rare earth, uh, massive property is uh, Hochschild, and Hochschild mm-hmm. is listed over the counter here in the UK, uh, is a major silver gold producer from Peru, but mm-hmm. they have the largest rare earth deposit in the Western Hemisphere, oh. and they're developing that in Chile. So you're basically buying Tesla gold and silver. You know, it's a so Very one has to take a look at, at yeah. markets differently this way and to say, okay, can I get two for one? And mm-hmm. and I think that that's one of those interesting gold and silver stocks uh, that just reported great numbers. Uh, it shows up in our in our funds. Um, so we've been long it, and uh, uh, and I think the management is a you know the owner of the the Hostile family is a mm-hmm. substantial shareholder. And runs a very, very frugal company. They got a wonderful CFO uh, that studied here in New York, went to the University of Columbia, uh, and so they're the, they're the type of unique stories I'm looking at. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they're very interesting. And now, uh, on Bob Moriarty's program, what we hmm. want to talk about there is besides gold. You know, he's a big believer that a lot of this COVID stuff is just hype by governments mm-hmm. to basically print money, and uh, it's just fear mongering. Sure. Um, because 99% of those uh, 65 and under that get it go back to work. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he'll talk about that, but I think it's also we've seen a greater interest in the junior explorers. 
and and because of what we've been doing on there uh, on the, our sort of penetration into millennials, we have 900 people signed up for that uh, webcast. Oh, so Very good. it's yeah. it, it's uh, and a lot of them, uh, uh, I would say to you that there are young, they're 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 young millennials, and uh, there's many no many new YouTubers that are covering gold stocks and gold stock stories. So what you need, to, you know, strongly consider is getting your own YouTube channel mm-hmm. and um, and just doing your interviews. Quite often, some of them don't even have uh, the the filming of the face; they have the talking voice. Yeah, uh, sure. Like an interview oh. with Ross Beatty, uh, because it's the medium where where young people go to to get stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, I've done some some of these myself, and we do have uh, Jay Taylor Media as my. My website, I, uh, my YouTube site uh, channel, I haven't used it that much. Uh, all these, this, this will go on YouTube, Frank. But it's we'll make uh, sure then it does. We'll recycle yeah. it and circulate mm-hmm. it to uh, our sixty thousand readers in one hundred and eighty countries. Okay, it sounds very good. Would love to do that. Uh, before we uh, finish here, I do want to ask you about um, about jets, about that ETF, and uh, and the industry as a whole. Your comments on the on on the. Uh, on the airline industry now, clearly it's a, it's a troubled industry, but as you're pointing out, uh, it is picking up ridership again. So how do you think this is going to shake out? You, you think there will be some some airlines, some more consolidation possibly, or how is this going to end up? Government? I don't think, more I don't subsidies? think we're going we're to see, uh, you know, there's two types of subsidies. One reason why they want to give set $25 billion at a time is because if you lay off airlines professionals, um, the 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 unloading again is very expensive and time consuming. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're flipping burgers, it's easy to lay off and rehire. Right. But you can't go. It's very flight attendants have to go through retraining. Mm-hmm. Pilots have to continue. So they want to keep all these pilots in con- and and uh, stewardesses in continual training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the big reason for that, so that they could turn on a dime when the economy turns up, the big news is looking for a vaccine. If you believe a vaccine is going to be coming soon, then the airlines have tremendous upside. Uh, And every other crisis that's been out there between six and 12 months out, this industry surges between 80 and 120%. So you have a lot of speculation that's come into that end of it. Uh, From a cash flow point of view, uh, what we've seen is this unprecedented. We've seen um, from $35 million fund uh, in in March at the, the bottom, it's now almost $2 billion. Wow. Uh, um, and, and through Robinhood alone, uh, we had something like 25,000 small investors come in before Buffett talked negative about the industry. And then the airlines jumped 50%. So huh. all the negative stories about how bad they are is trading investing, I would disagree. Uh, but I will show you that a lot of them speculate. The daily volatility of jets is like a gold stock, a junior gold stock. It, that means its daily volatility is plus or minus 5%, 70% of the time. It's a non-event. So you have a lot of millennials trading it. And there's no commissions to trade with Robinhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so th- this is the, the new path, which I'm showing, seeing coming up in a lot of the junior gold exploration companies. Interesting. Um, so, so I, I remain uh, very, very bullish. Uh, anything gives helps improve price discovery is, is important. Mm-hmm. And and then you know I have to try to tell people that we have a, a one of our funds is its ticker is PS 
PFX, PS, PFX, mm-hmm. and it's a global resource fund, and it's crushing um, the any of the ETFs that are just resources, uh, global resources, and um, it's a quant approach. Uh, and 25%, we have a big exposure to gold and silver in there, but we, an overweighting. And we also have bigger, we, we cut way back in our exposure to the big oil companies, and we own m- many of these solar companies. Oh. And they've been on a tear, alternative sources of energy. They've been on a tear. So that's really worked out well for us. Oh, very interesting. Well, we certainly have to keep our eyes open for new opportunities, and you're helping us do that. And I guess people that follow your work every every week, you put out a very extensive report um, on markets and, and your views on things. And I would really encourage people to, I guess, go to U.S. Global and, and sign up for that. Uh, yeah, you said- know, and I want... You said nice words at the beginning, talk about optimism, and and I really want for for people to be aware. I've talked about these type of cyber attacks uh, with only days away before the election. Uh, Iran, Russia have been signaled by U.S. officials for stealing voter registration data and sending emails designated to intimidate voters. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a campaign against Republicans that if they didn't vote for Trump, the moderates, uh, and this was a telephone campaign that came out of Estonia. So I I shared a report uh, two weeks ago that Microsoft said that Russia is by far the number one source of cyber threats, followed by Iran, China, North Korea. Well, what they want is they want us to become emotionally charged. They want a huge polarization between the left and the right. Right. Uh, And and that weakens the fiber of this great nation. It does, uh, yes. Of free markets. And so I try to be, you know, I'm so optimistic on the resiliency of what we, of our economy and our structure and common law and rule of law that I, I, I remain very, very bullish uh, overall for America. Um, and so we just have to be aware of these hackers that are creating a lot of this disinformation and mm-hmm. noise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I have no doubt about that. With just a couple of minutes left, Frank, I'd like you to talk about your Go AU. Uh, and, and because that's been a very successful gold share ETF, uh, just tell our listeners that might not be familiar with uh, with that. We have two. We have a minute and a half left. Well, Adrian Day and yourself have been early on. on uh, remember, on really catching uh, gold royalty companies, mm-hmm. the Franco Nevada story, etc. Right. And we believe it's a superior business model. So we created an ETF that 30% are the big royalty companies because they have the highest revenue per employee in the world. They have high gross margins like a technology stock. They have recurring revenue. Um, there's a host of reasons which make these just superior companies. And uh, and then the remaining stocks in that portfolio of 28 names in total, very focused name, are those companies that have the highest revenue per share growth, the highest cash flow per share growth, free cash flow yields, um, low debt-to-equity uh, ratios, and it's very quant-driven, and it recalibrates every quarter. So what we found is that uh, on corrections, this is where it's outperformed, and then on rising markets, it rises with the market, and then it basically falls less on, on corrections. As for gold right now, when we look at our, our quant models of 20-day rates of change, 60-day rates of change, and 12-month rates of change, Gold is neutral. It's really interesting. All the negativity. Gold is basically mm-hmm. neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning of August, it was overbought, overlooking 20 days, 60 days, and one year. We've gone through this big correction, but it's it's not. Um, it's just a great time to be buying and accumulating a position. All right. 
Frank, we'll have to leave it go at that. We're out of time. I want to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Greatly appreciated your optimism as well, even more so. Thank you so much for being with us. And that is all the time we have this week, uh, folks. Uh, next week, Alistair McLeod is with me and Dr. Quentin Henning. Talk about noble resources. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Benchmark Metals is an advanced gold-silver exploration company that is rapidly advancing its Canadian gold-silver project to a production decision. Benchmark is nearing completion of its largest program to date, with up to 100,000 meters of resource expansion and definition drilling in 2020. The multi-million ounce potential project is expected to have a new mineral resource estimate and PEA study completed in 2021. The company is backed by the Metals Group management team and believes this aggressive program will be complemented by one of the strongest commodity bull markets in decades. Visit BenchmarkMetals.com and subscribe to follow their success.